0: Pastor Javon will conclude our summer reading series today, where we will look at what it means to be, as Paul said, an ambassador for Christ. So take a moment now prepare your heart for today's service. When we started this series a few weeks ago, we started by asking the question, what does it mean to live a successful life? What does that mean? And as we've gone through this series over these last few weeks, I'm, we're going to wrap it up today. My hope is is that we have this greater understanding of what it looks like to live not just in the culture's view of success, but from God's view. So we've been in this series, Summer Reading. We said that we've are using we kind of used a, a book by the name uh, of Home Run Life by, uh, by a guy named Pastor Kevin Myers. He, uh, he pastors a church in Atlanta called Twelve Stone Church. Myers uses this parable basically to describe, we've said, uh, uh, the life of a disciple. And so we've used this imagery that, that he goes through the book, and we've kind of spearheaded off of these thoughts and launched off these thoughts over the last few weeks to talk about things. We, one, we looked at where he talked about home plate, how uh, this is where our life as a disciple starts. It starts where we connect with God, this is where we learn our significance, we learn our. Uh, Where our power comes from, where our purpose comes from, where we win dependence on God. And we said, this is so important because everything begins and ends in this place, because everything in our life depends on our dependence on God, how dependent we are on him. Then we moved with Myers to, to first base. He calls this the personal base. This is where you develop your character. You learn to win within. So we jumped off of that. We talked about how for God to do something through us, he's got to do something in us. Before we do anything significant in this life, we've got to allow God to do something significant in us. And it starts with our desires. Because at the root of it all, Scripture shows us that we battle every day in our life the desires that want to come from our flesh. And so we've got to let God transform those desires. And that starts by becoming dependent on Him and then letting Him work in us and change us. And then we moved with Myers to the second base, where, or to second base, and this is the people base. It's where you develop community, it's where you learn to win with others. And we talked about the fact that the God who deserves all the glory, God who is worth everything, gave his life for us. He gave his life for humanity so that we can come in a relationship with God. And when we understand that, we realize that the relationships we have in our life, those relationships are not there for us to use them for our own personal gain. They are there for us to love them. Those people are there for us to love, to bring glory to the one who is worthy of all glory. And then last week we moved to third base with Myers. This is the... um, this is the performance base. This is where you begin to work in spirit-empowered competence. It's, it's where you learn to win results. And we said for us, this is where we realize that it's more than just being successful and obtaining some kind of success as culture defines it. We live a significant life in Christ. That God has gifted each of us with some type of gift for us to work in for his service, for his glory. And we need to grow in that. And we need to invest it. We ended by asking the question, what are we doing to, 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 to obey God with what he has given us? And are we, is what we're striving for in this life worthy of his sacrifice that he gave for us? So I asked KJ and Debbie to read this passage from James this morning. And I hope that as they read this passage, you heard all of these principles, these patterns being portrayed throughout it of of God working in our life and us learning to work with others and, and learning to then see the true significance. That we God wants to work in our life. There's two things that I want to point out from that passage to set us up this morning, and from what James talked about. One thing that he hits at is that we talk, we you know, we have these things we want to see happen in our life, and we wonder why is God not answering our prayers. And it's quite possible our prayers are unfulfilled because we're praying with the wrong motives. James says we want God. We're praying for God to serve us rather than praying for God. How can I be used to serve you and serve your Glory, And then he goes on later in this part of his letter. And he makes this comment. We talk about all these things we're going to do. And he uses this phrase. One translation says it this way. You're boasting about your pretentious plans. And he's saying, it's not about you. It's about God and his glory. You do what God allows you to do in this life. But so often we get caught up in our own glory. You know, one of the things we love to do as we get older is talk about our glory days. I like to look back and see. I mean, there's some people you can sit around, you can hear their glory day stories over and over and over again. Some of you are thinking about those people, right? Some of you are those people. Bless you. I don't have any glory days. I didn't do anything in my younger days that that deserves stories to be told other, other than, uh, other than winning the woman that I won somehow. Cause I did not deserve her. She's over there serving with my kids right now. Why she chose to love me. I have no idea. That's my, that's my only glory story right there is winning, winning her love. Another thing we love to do for some reason is we love to sit around and debate about who the goat of something is. You ever heard that? The greatest of all time in something. When I'm listening to sports radio, if those debates come up, I typically turn it. Because those debates just annoy me. Like arguing about because, well, one, I mean, you're debating something from different eras, different times, different things. There's all kind of different stuff going on. But when it comes to basketball, we all know Michael Jordan is always going to be the greatest of all time. But anyway. (laughs) Anyway, we, we love to debate these types of things. I love this statement. I want you to hear this statement. From Myers, in near the end of his book, it's just so powerful, I, um, and I just felt it's best just to read this. He said, "We give glory to people too cheaply. We are impressed with way too little. We say humankind can accomplish amazing things, but that's only compared to other humans. If you're not, if you're going to give your praise and glory to someone, raise the bar." for what impresses you and give glory to the only one who deserves it. And that's God. Is it, and listen to what he says here. If we don't right size our thinking, we'll do what our culture does. We'll wrong size what is significant in life. We live in a culture that tends to supersize earthly things and downsize eternal things. Man, that was so powerful when I read that. You know, we, we look back at Joseph's life and we think about the beginning where it all began with those two dreams. And you can't help but think when Joseph went and he boasted about his dreams to his brothers, that he was relishing in the fact that they were one day going to bow down to him, his older brothers. We're one day going to bow down to the younger brother. So you can't help but think he's relishing in that. But as Joseph lived out his life and God took him through the journey that he went, Joseph realized that it wasn't something that he was going to relish in one day. He was giving his life away all for the glory of God and to be used by God. If you remember the passage that Nadia read for us last week when his brothers came and he knelt down, Adam, him. He grabbed them and he told him to get up. What you mean, to, what you meant to bring me destruction. God meant to bring him glory and for good. See, the same is true for our life. Our life is not about doing something just for ourselves. It is about doing something for the glory of God. It is about letting him work in us and through us to represent him and reflect him to the world around us. Listen, scripture is not about self-help. You do not read the word of God just to get some type of good self-help, self-help for your life. Scripture is about self-denial. It is about learning to deny yourself for the glory of God. I want us to look at one more passage of scripture from the apostle Paul as we wrap this up, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, the Corinth church was, we see the, the, as you turn there, I'll just describe just a basic understanding of the Corinth church. We see at birth, when you read Acts chapter 18, this is where Paul founded this church. When Paul wrote his first letter to the church of Corinth, he was writing to correct a lot of things that they weren't doing Right, I mean, there was a lot of selfishness, a lot of flesh involved in the, in the church. And so he was writing to correct a lot of those things. In the second letter, we're seeing where Paul is answering some questions where others are questioning the validity of Paul as an apostle. And so he's basically writing saying, you know, I don't do what I do to impress anybody. <laughs> I do it all for the glory of God. And he's going to encourage the listeners at the church of Corinth with this letter. And, and it encourages us today. We'll start in Verse 11. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Christ's love, some translations say, compels us, motivates us, moves us, pushes us towards in what we are doing. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How'd that work out for us? I added that. How differently we know him now, Paul says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, our call. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I hope you can see in that reading from Paul's letter, everything we've been looking at, our dependence on God, him changing us, us learning to love others and doing something significant for the kingdom of God. And Paul is letting everybody know this is why I live my life. Now, if you were to read those verses before the ones we just read, you would see where Paul had just reminded them in this letter of our mortality. That a day is going to come where our life on this earth ends and our life in eternity begins. And when we understand that there is an eternity life with God and with the presence of God, that's our hope. That's our desire, not a life in hell away from the presence of God. But when we understand that that's what we're living for, then we realize that there is a bigger purpose for our life than what we often define our purpose as. See, Paul, you know, a lot of times we, we see people in this life that are motivated strictly by how can I get to this place of success. We're motivated by how what I can accomplish, what I can do, what I can be, what what I, what I can, uh, how I can make my name known. And so we're motivated by all this, but Paul says, no, that's not what we're meant to be motivated by. We are motivated by, we are compelled by, we are controlled by our love for God. That's it. And the love of God in our life is what pushes us in the mission that we are called to in this life. We are compelled by love, Paul says. And because of that love, we have grown dependent on God. And because of that dependence on God, Paul says this, he has transformed us within. He is making us into a new person. This is what we talked about in week two. He is making us a new person. I love this thought from Byers in his book. He talks about the fact that when, you, when God begins to do something in you and changes your desires, that the pursuit that you once had in your life, those desires begin to change. So what you're pursuing changes. So what do you need to do when what you thought what your pursuit was changes? He says you have a funeral. And the reason you do this is you take all the emotion and all the intensity of losing that desire that was strictly yours and not what God had for your life. You, you grieve it, you mourn it, and you put it at rest. And then you get a new pursuit in God. Because he says this, he says, if you don't get a new dream from God, you'll continue to live in the past. And it's very true. That's why we need to constantly allow God to work in us and change in us and transform us into the new person he is creating us to be. And then Paul says, not only does that love transform us from within, but it also transforms the way we see other people. Paul says we don't regard others from a human point of view. In other words, when we look at people, we don't put them in the categories that the stereotypes of our culture puts them in. We don't look at people and see those who are rich or poor. Black or white, Asian, Republican, Democrat uneducated, educated, blue collar, white collar. We don't see those stereotypes. What we see when we look through the eyes of God is the same thing that Jesus sees. We either see people in relationship with the Heavenly Father, Or we see people who are lost because they do not have a relationship with the father. And we are moved in the same way that Christ was moved. When the scripture tells us, the gospel tells us that when he saw them, he was moved with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. That's the categories we see people in. And that's what Paul is saying. We don't view people from our own stereotypical mindsets. So if they're in those categories, then what that does is it pushes us to be motivated by love and to be what God has called us to be. And that is to be an ambassador for Christ with the message and the ministry of reconciliation in this life. Listen to me. You cannot hate people. You cannot hate a group of people. You cannot hate a particular type of person and love them into the kingdom of God at the same time. That's why what you say and what you post is so important. You cannot be prideful and draw others in to the kingdom of God at the same time. You cannot live this life overlooking certain people, looking past certain people and draw those people into, Christ, into the kingdom of God at the same time. We were not drawn to Christ because he was lifted up on a throne. Stay with me. We were drawn to Christ because in his humility, he was lifted up on a cross. And through what he did on that cross... Through his crucifixion, through his resurrection, he obtained glorification from the Father. And by his glory, we have salvation. And he now sits on a throne. But we are drawn to Christ because of the sacrifice that he made. And that is a picture for us of what we should do in the world that we live in that we sacrifice in this life and we serve others in this life out of a selfless love to see them drawn into the kingdom of God. We operate in this message and in this ministry of reconciliation. We serve with the love of God because God loves us and served us through his life. Paul says you are called an ambassador You're called to be an ambassador. Just so we understand what an ambassador is, and we're on the same page. An ambassador is a representative of his home country on foreign soil. Right? It's where you go to another country, but you wave the flag of your homeland, of your kingdom on foreign soil. And a a beautiful picture of this, I think, is uh, uh, Secretary of State in the 80s, George Shultz he would commission those who were ambassadors and send them to their, to the country that they were going to represent the United States in. But stories go that Schultz would, would bring them into his office. And when they would come into his office, he would tell them, he said, okay, you've been approved by the Senate. You've passed all the tests that you need to pass. You have been dedicated and labeled an ambassador for the United States of America, but you need to pass one more test. And that's my test. Schultz would, And he would bring them over to a side in his office, and he had this huge globe, much bigger than this one. Uh, And and he he would say, all right, I'm going to spin this globe. And when this globe gets done spinning, I want you to place your hand on your home country. And Schultz says that basically every time these ambassadors would fail this test. Because as he would spin this globe... And this globe would stop. He, they would put their hand on the country to which they were going. And he would tell them, no, that's not your country. The USA is your country. And you are representing this country on foreign soil. This is your home. If you were to come up here and spend this globe, and put your hand on your homeland if you are a follower of Christ and in relationship with the Heavenly Father, you would not be able to find your home on this globe. Just before these verses again, verses 1 through 10 of Second Corinthians 5, Paul tells them, he says, as long as we are in these bodies, we are not at home. He uses this word this Greek word, "endemeo," I want to make sure I pronounced it right. And that word literally means dwelling in one's own country. So what Paul tells him is, he says, as long as you are in these bodies, you are not dwelling in your own country. You represent another kingdom as the follower of Christ. And I think sometimes for us as Americans, we really need to grab hold of that. Because so often we stand on the battlegrounds of defending our nation war. Nothing wrong with that. I love our nation. We need to defend our nation. But we do it more than standing up for our own home country and the kingdom of God. And representing the love of our Savior. Savior. But Paul reminds them, you're an ambassador. You represent a different place. You have been called to be an ambassador carrying the message of reconciliation for the kingdom of God. It's a a reflection, a remembrance to Jesus' words to the disciples to go and make disciples. Teaching them everything that I've taught you. Commissioning them. And we talked about this in a series a a while back. That when you look at that phrase, go and make disciples, it is ongoing in present tense, continuing. So, another way to say it is as you go, make disciples. In other words, in your everyday life, in your everyday opportunities, in your everyday relationships, reflect Christ's. Make much of Jesus and his love. Because you're an ambassador, Paul would say, for Christ. God wants to put a desire in you that is more than just for yourself. And that's why... It's one of the reasons why we come together as a body of Christ, as just a small part of the body of Christ with the hopes of us having more than just people that look like us, sound like us, talk like us and think like us, because that's the body of Christ. It's much bigger than just like me. And we come together as the church. And here's what happens. What, what he does in me impacts the body and what he does in the body impacts me. See, I can't can't live off your passion, but your passion can inspire me. That's why when you spend time on your own and in your personal life pursuing God, And the more you fall in love with God every day and become more impassioned by love for God every day, and you bring that in when we come together, that passion exudes when we worship. That passion exudes when we get into God's word and it inspires those around you. But then what happens within the body as a whole can impact us in our life as well. The church is a place, and we're just a small part of the church, the church is a place where every area of life can come together as one to be encouraged and equipped to go out for the one who gave his life for us. Quite possibly, one of the biggest obstacles to being the church is going to church. That sounds very counterintuitive to what I would hope to happen around here, right? But quite possibly, one of the biggest obstacles to being the church is going to church. And here's the reason why. The reason, we think, the reason is we think if we go to church, then we've done our duty as the church. And that's where our perspective needs to shift and change. Going to church is not our duty. We get to come together. And thankfully, in, the, in America, where we live, we have the freedom to do it. And we come together to worship Christ. And so we have to shift our perspective to say, these are the times we get to meet together with our brothers and our sisters and be encouraged and be equipped by God's word. So that when we walk out of these doors, we go out to then be the church in the world around us. So then that's where we have to change our to understand that when I go out, then I don't isolate myself. I don't look to only be involved in everything that is strictly Christian. Nothing wrong with that. But we're not called to completely isolate ourselves. How can you win the world if you're isolated from the world? But you're also not called to blend in. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you blend in without realizing, Paul says. We are set apart within to reflect the love of God. So we go into our world every day and then we engage in it and we infuse it with God's love, with beauty, with grace. And we reflect who we are in him as ambassadors. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are not just a salesman. You're an ambassador. You are not just a teacher. You are not just a school administrator. You are not just a banker. You are not just a lawyer. You are not just a beautician. You are not just a welder. You are not just a construction worker. Do I need to keep going? I can't name them all. You are not just your profession. That's not what you are. You are not just your profession. You are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. The ministry of reconciliation, the mes- message of reconciliation, goes beyond the walls of the church. Your spot on the map, wherever you are every day, that is your mission. Think about this. You know, we come together as the body. Throughout in our culture and in our world, there's about six sectors, six areas that what we do can fall in. It can be business, government, education, media, the social sector, arts and entertainment. Something that you do probably falls into one of those categories. But then there's another category And that's the church. And the church has the opportunity to impact every area of work in in our world. Because we come together and we worship the one who changed our lives with the goal of him using us to see others' lives changed in the same way ours was. We come together to be encouraged and equipped to go out and be the church. And then the church together, every day of the week, has the opportunity to reflect God's love. And here's what happens. As you give your life away for the kingdom of God, you'll gain so much more. And the beauty of it all is that as we grow in this pattern that we've been talking about over these last several weeks and we go from our connection to God and growing in our dependence with Him and allowing Him to work in us and change us, allowing Him to show us how to love others and allowing Him to to show us what a truly significant life means. When When we go through that place, what happens then is the door is opened up for us to begin to be able to take people on that journey with us. In the game of baseball, you don't want yourself to be the only one getting around the bases and scoring at home plate. You want others to do it too. And in this game of life and in this journey that we get to do with, with Christ in our life, we have the opportunity to take others with us. And we have the opportunity to, to sit down with someone and, and say, let me tell you what it means to connect with the Heavenly Father. To the creator of the universe. To God. And as we do that through through our conversations together with someone else, then maybe we see an opportunity to speak into some things in their life. Some integrity issues, some character issues. To say, you know what? God wants to work in your life and change you in those regards. Let me show you what he did to me and changed me. And then we begin to see ways and walk with them in ways to love others show them what it truly means to live a significant life in God, a truly successful life. in God calls us to give our life away from him and for his glory. That's what living a significant life means. So God help us today to understand that and live this life for you. Stand with me this morning. Just, we thank you for this opportunity today to to come together as just a small part of your body to worship you together. And Father, also being encouraged, to also be encouraged and to be equipped by your word. And Father, I pray today that the words of Paul words of James would resonate in our heart as we go throughout this week, and that we understand that this life is is far greater than our own desires, that yes, we can make our plans, but our plans cannot be more important than your plan for us. And Father, what you have called us to do in this life is you have called us as you have worked in us, as you have changed us, God. You have called us to be ambassadors, to represent your love, and to carry a message and a ministry of reconciliation in this life. God, help us to be motivated, to be pushed, to be compelled by everything we do in this life, by your love. So that we can understand, God, that what we truly do for you. As an ambassador, is far greater than anything we can accomplish on our own in this life. Father, even the success we do obtain from the world's eye point of view, God, let that not become a platform to voice our own name. Let it become a platform to proclaim the name of God. We thank you today for what you've been doing father as we just take this time to worship you again and reflect on your word in these closing moments. God, just move in our hearts and help us today to see the opportunities that we have around us every day to carry the message of reconciliation you've called us to. In Jesus' name,